Good afternoon. This is Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and Embedded Computing Design and lots of other stuff. Here for this week's Embedded Insiders with Embedded Computing Design Editor-in-Chief, Brandon Lewis. Hello, Brandon. Hey, how you doing, Rich? I am doing pretty good, pretty good. Especially uh, since we're brought to you by the Trusted Computing Group. Learn how to secure the insecure Internet of Things by visiting www.trustedcomputinggroup.org. You don't have to get so excited when you say that. Well, I, was, I didn't want to have to say that. I thought that you were going to take, bear, bear, bear the burden this time. Ah, uh, okay. You know, I was just thinking as I was, I'm dialing in here, you can see how people get so fat and lazy. I'm sitting at my desk here, and it's pretty warm in the house. So it used to be that I'd have to get up and walk to the thermostat. But as you may or may not know, I've completely automated the house. So I just pick up the phone and I, I go to my app and I turn down the air conditioning. Um, but like, I don't, ha I don't have to get up for anything. You know, somebody comes to the door, I can answer, I can answer the door and unlock the door for, you know, without getting up from my desk, uh, open the garage door, shut the lights on and off, you know, make the music louder. Um, and I have probably put on a few pounds since I automated the house. I wonder if there are any studies that do correlations between the nation's increase in obesity and home automation. But my mind is so much sharper now. Yeah, right. Uh, well, you know, we also have this whole uh, self-driving car thing. If you go to CES, you know, they have these automated vehicles that will pull up to you know, your front door or, you know, the front of the grocery store or whatever, so you don't even have to walk that far. So I guess our, all of our minds are going to be super sharp. This is true. But I am involved in a Fitbit challenge with um, a decent-sized group. So that is the one thing that keeps me going. We're on a, a weekly challenge, so I do have to do my steps. It's funny. I was walking the dogs this morning, and um, I don't have my Fitbit anymore because I basically threw it out after the first battery died. Um, but I was counting my actual steps while I was doing it, and I wished that I had not thrown away my Fitbit. But... <laughs> I got I, I got up to about 567, and then I got distracted. That's a lot. <laughs> okay, so enough banter. Uh, interesting thing happened last week. I don't know if you were aware. Um, a website went up from Arm that said something along the lines of um, why you should design or not design. I don't remember the exact syntax um, with RISC-V. And it was, it was an obvious slam on the part of ARM um, at RISC-V. Uh, somebody told me about this at a breakfast meeting, and um, you know, we, we had a conversation about it. After breakfast, I went out to, to look at the site uh, on my phone, and the site had been pulled down. So it was up for less than 24 hours. So somebody at ARM obviously got wind of uh, what somebody did at the company, and they had them pull it down immediately. Uh, did you hear anything about that? Um, actually, I heard a little bit about that, um, A, from you in passing previously, but also I saw some stuff on, online about it and, and how um, not tactful of a move it was on ARM's part, and I'm sure somebody over there got their hand slapped. You know, a while ago, um, you and I were talking, and there, I don't expect you to remember this, but you said that you'd been out in the Valley and a couple of people who were really involved in the ARM ecosystem, this must have been about 12, 18 months ago, had no idea 
about RISC-V, what it was, and that they should probably uh, start taking notice while it appears that they finally have or had. Yeah, definitely the case. I, I still think that there's a very large identity problem for RISC-V, especially when you go outside of Silicon Valley. But in the short time that I did look at that website, there were many, many comments, uh, more than 100, and almost all of them uh, were in favor of RISC-V. So I don't know if it's, you know, if just the RISC-V proponents got wind of this and, and, and wanted, to, uh, wanted to talk about it, or there, there really is a slant for RISC-V. But, you know, it's one of those things that the uh, short-term future will probably bear that out. Well, they're open source techies. You can't you can't be putting negative stuff up about open source online and not expect to get a backlash from you know hundreds, if not thousands, of developers about the you know the proponents of of, uh, of open source and you know free speech, free beer, all that stuff. Well, there is some rule of thumb for every thousand people who have who who have an issue, one person will write in. So if you had a hundred comments, uh, you're looking at what, 100,000 people? I don't know if I, I don't know if that, I give that the direct correlation, but I, I get the, I get the point. Yeah. You don't like my correlation? Okay. 100,000 right, 100, angry risk by developers with pitchforks and torches. There you go. All right, moving on to other news. Um, very recently, um, Wind River spun out of Intel, and um, I had the opportunity to speak to Jim Douglas, who's the CEO of Wind River about that, and I'm not going to steal my own thunder, and I'm going to put in a plug for my own podcast. Go to uh, Embedded Computing Design, embedded-computing.com, and look for the five minutes with podcast that I did with Jim Douglas. But um, what do you think about that? You know, the fact that they're separate, and um, is that a good thing for Wind? Is it a good thing for Intel? Does it not matter? Um. I think we've touched on this briefly in the past, but I, from Intel's standpoint, to me, it makes it look like they, you know, they invested a bunch in McAfee, they invested a bunch in Wind River, um, they had this sort of plan coming together, and then they pulled the rug out from the enti- underneath the entire thing. You know, I don't even want to get into the all of the, you know, less than desirable stuff that came out about the management there, but you know, I. I, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me what Intel is doing. Um, you know, I, 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 that's about it. I, I can't, I can't fathom what their plan is. It seems like they don't have one. Um, from the wind side, I think it's a really good thing. Um, you know, being owned by Intel had this horrible um, marketing connotation for them, um, being that they could only be used. You know, it's not true, but that they could only be used with Intel processors, or at least the operating system was being tuned in that way. Um, I think that they have a little bit of an uphill battle to sort of rectify that industry perception. But, you know, once they can distance themselves as much as possible from the Intel architecture and that and that brand, um, you know, they'll be able to resume that sort of industry agnostic position um, and hopefully capture some more business with other architectures beyond x86. Well, it makes for a pretty boring podcast when we agree on stuff, but um, I do agree with what you said. I think um, uh, I won't get into the business part, but on the tech, from a technology perspective, I think it's a non-issue for Intel. 
you know, the, I don't think it did them any good or when they had wind, I don't think it does them any harm to not have wind. But from the wind perspective, I think it's, it's a big plus for them. You know, I, I thought they did a pretty good job of being agnostic, but there's still that perception of, well, you know, you're part of Intel, so, you know, do I really want to do business with you? Um, but, but that obviously goes away now, and I, and I think it's um, a, a brighter future for wind, and, and I'm, I'm happy that it, it went down the way it did. You know, on the Intel front, see, this is the thing that, that, that confuses me, is that Intel, you know, they, they tried to float Quark, and that didn't work at all. Um, you know, there are too many ARM-based microcontrollers and other microcontrollers out there that are just way better suited for IoT edge nodes than, than Quark was. Um, then on top of that, they were trying to build this story around, you know, oh, we've got, you know, this portable data framework, you know, you've got the operating system here, Wind River's operating systems, and then there are also Wind River's networking software, you have the security layered in through McAfee, um, you know, it all seemed like a reasonable story, if not all the way to the edge of IoT, at least starting at, you know, like a sort of a super node or like a gateway level up into the cloud where Intel, you know, really makes its big bucks and, and all of those uh, server chips. Um, so now it seems like they're kind of just floating and not that IoT is the end all be all um, and not that's not to say that they don't have plenty of application and embedded use cases but you know they're 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 starting to me at least starting to be pigeonholed into a couple of select markets you know they they have this the servers you know pretty much down pat and that's fine but where are the growth areas going to come from you know the, one of the big things all the in, Intel shakeups that have happened over the last you know five years um, have been because, you know, the PC business isn't what it once was. Of course, uh, they missed out on the mobile train. Um, so what, so what's the next thing? You know, what is, where is Intel going to be deployed? It, you, uh, CPU for some of these automotive um, applications, you know, those big growth opportunities there, a CPU isn't good for a lot of the AI stuff and their, and their processors are too big um, to handle a lot of the control um, in the distributed systems around a car. So I'm, I'm just sort of curious what uh, Intel's going to go chasing next. Of course, they have more money than God, so they can float a lot of balloons. But well, One of the areas where I think that, that we haven't really seen yet, where I, I think you're going to see a really big impact, is, is with the Altera acquisition. I think you're going to see the merger of, of the uh, Intel IP in, into those FPGAs, and I think that's going to have a huge impact. I predicted that one years ago. And I, I still think it's going to come true. Yeah, um, not not to say that you know that they're Intel's dead in the water or a sinking ship or anything. Um, it's just uh, you know there are a lot of emerging applications right now, and I, and I'm curious to see where where they're going to find their next niche. Um, but you know, there's always something new on the horizon. So um, with all the resources that they have at their disposal, I'm sure they'll be positioned to capitalize on something. And 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 you know, they also they also have made. Um, acquisitions of, of companies that exist within some of these markets, even though it's not principally um, based on traditional Intel technology, you know, like Mobilize, one of them, you know, they, Movidius is another. Um, yeah, so th they do they do have a play, um, but not just in the in the traditional, you know, Intel to uh, OEM to market strategy. Yep. 
Okay, I think that wraps up this week's Embedded Insiders. We are brought to you by the Trusted Computing Group. Secure the insecure Internet of Things with Trusted Computing Group, tcg.org. That was Brandon Lewis, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded Computing Design. I'm Rich Nass, also with Embedded Computing Design. Have a great day, Brandon. Thank you, Rich.